Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hello, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. I'm just going to give you this big fat thumbs up the whole time we record. Oh, thumbs up has so much meaning for us now because our son doles them out. He and it's gives very them rewarding. Out. He also, well, let's be fair. He also dishes out thumbs down. He does. That fucking hurts, man. <laughs> I have to tell him. I like, you know, when I fail as a father, I have to reckon with that sort of internally <laughs> and I reflect on my uh, my bad parenting mm-hmm. and then in the end of the night, you know, I wake up in a cold sweat and I'm like, oh man, I really goofed it today. To get that sort of instant feedback, thumbs down because you made me eat my meatballs for dinner, thumbs down. That's like, oh shit, I'm, I have to look you in the face while you tell me I'm not doing it right. Damn. <laughs> But you're going to get a big thumbs up from me because this is a podcast where we talk about things that we like and things that are good and things that we're into. And right now I'm into you. And I'm uh, by right now, I mean always for the rest of my life. (laughs) But right now I'm really into you and you get a thumbs up. Oh, thank you. Is that your small wonder? No. Oh, okay. (laughs) What's your small wonder? Why don't you go first this time? Oh, this is terrible. Um, we just watched Palm Springs on Hulu. Yeah, fun and flick. I enjoyed it way more than I expected I would. That yeah, the I'm a I'm a sucker for like a time loop movie. Groundhog yeah. Day is like my favorite, you know, flick ever, and uh, I'm I'm very fascinated by the idea, and they have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, I thought like, oh, here comes a romantic comedy, which is you know a fifty fifty shot usually, but I thought this was really great. Yep. Uh, I'm going to bring back Hayori's Bed and Breakfast. We are like on the final episode of it. <laughs> and we've been watching this final episode for like weeks because we can't. I think both of us are a little like nervous to just have it be out of our You know lives. what's hilarious is that I think the show, the season we're watching takes place over two weeks. And we have been watching it for like six months. <laughs> oh, if not longer. Uh, that show is still just very, uh, it's a nice chill come down show. If we watch something kind of spooky kind of eerie, yeah. kind of troubling. We'll come back into the ever-loving arms of Hayori and Sang-Soon, and it's uh, it's good stuff. Mm-hmm. It's on Netflix, if you haven't heard us talk about it before. It's great. They run a bed and breakfast. Hey, another small wonder of mine that's actually a huge sort of uh, existentially foundational wonder is the Max Fun Drive, which is Yay. happening right now. We've uh, obviously rescheduled it, uh, and now we are doing sort of a different format, much more low pressure. Rachel and I are not going to talk your ear off about it, but we are uh, part of the Max Fun Network, which is uh, listener supported uh, and artist owned, as John Hodgman and other people tell you at the end of each episode of every show. Uh, and you can uh, join the network now at maximumfund.org slash join. Choose a, uh, a monthly membership level that uh, you know you are able to give. We know it's a weird time right now, um, but uh, the support that you have given us in the past has allowed us to make this show a larger part of our lives. And that is uh, incredible. And we cannot thank you enough for it. Yeah, I I would encourage all of you, um, if you are able to give right now to go to MaximumFun.org slash join, Uh, check out, you know, some of the benefits we're able to offer you if you are a member. Uh, and support Make us. Make it in. sound like there we have like an exclusive lounge <laughs> at most airports. Uh, yeah, we'll tell you a little bit more about it later on, but uh, let's go. I think I go first this week. That sounds right. Okay. Uh, my first thing is a little bit abstract, um, but I got excited the more I thought about it. Uh, I don't really know how to phrase it, but so I'll try this. Having your own personal data storage device. This sounds like very, very nerdy, but I'm talking about like... <laughs> Uh, and this joy has been long diminished since like uh, technology has advanced and now you can like for $2 buy a 
terabyte micro SD card. Are you like, talking about those those thumb drives that you can wear as a bracelet? That's a great example of exactly what I'm talking about, okay, babe. Good. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, these days, like, you know, it refers to flash drives or external hard drives or micro SD cards, which, like, it's not novel anymore that we have, like, these enormous data storage things, uh, but I still enjoy it a lot. My closet, I probably have like six or seven like big external hard drives in there. And for me, like I like knowing that there are these like little snapshots of like everything I've ever done on a computer, like all in one thing. Like if I ever wanted to find an old document or an old like idea of mine, there was like a, a, a game I was like working up in Photoshop, which like I haven't had Photoshop in fucking forever. And I was like, yeah. I wonder if I could find that. And I did, like I found it in an, in an old hard drive in my, uh, in my closet. Um, so I don't want to get like too grandpa about this. Like that's the, the, the modern context for this thing. And I don't think people give a shit about it as much as uh, I used to when we're talking about rewritable floppy disks. When we're Whoa. talking about, yes. Uh, we, 90s kids remember. 90s kids remember the floppy disks. Uh, when I was in middle school, uh, 3.5 inch floppy disks flowed like wine uh, at our house. <laughs> we had a computer at our house and I feel like we always like, we, we weren't like, it was never a top of the line thing. It was like the same Dell for like nine years or yeah, something like yeah. that. But we had a lot of floppies. And uh, I felt very empowered by the idea of having my own floppy disk with my own like you know uh journal or some cool things i had painted in microsoft paint yeah. or uh you know a game maybe uh if i'm if i'm being honest like or a short story you wrote about the 92 flood in st louis missouri yeah okay now are you <laughs> it sounds like you're bought in in a way that maybe you weren't before uh i'm i'm saying like I'm saying this stuff to try to make myself sound good. Mostly it was like video game emulators. It was like Super Nintendo games that I would then go to the my middle school library and like find the row of computers that were facing away from the front door Ooh. and punch it in and start playing some, you know, Final Fantasy 3 or whatever. Uh, and for me, there was something so like futuristic and gratifying about having this like little sliver of technology like all to yourself uh that you could do like whatever you wanted with there was something so like cool about that and i think it's just because of the novelty of it like that that 3.5 inch floppy i forget how like the actual storage size of it it wasn't big it was quite little um but like writing something to a disc like that felt so yeah. like uh complicated and impossible because like that that technology was just like not really there in the 90s yeah. uh, and that was very 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 cool to me um i also we bought a cd burner back when like that yeah. tech like first became sort of publicly available and uh, like I, of course, loved like burning MP3 CDs that we yeah. could listen to in my friends' cars, and I could like share my music with them. But Can you, you share your DJ name? Uh, there was a few. Uh, there, uh, DJ Taco was like there for a bit, but then there was DJ Griffey uh, was in the mix <laughs> for a while. I had a lot of different uh, sets that I did, but I also liked. Uh, you could burn like audio data CDs that you could fit like a way, way, way more music on. And I would take those to school and like in TV news class, just like pop it in and drag and drop all the music from it. And then yeah. like, just have that. Uh, 
it, now that I'm thinking about it, like most of these examples are me like finding ways to slack off at school because it's, <laughs> it's like the equivalent of having like the comic book inside of the textbook yeah. uh, is essentially what I'm talking about. But like, it felt like I felt like this renegade slacker hacker in a way <laughs> that was that like made me feel very, very, very cool. Um, and the very first like flash drive I got again was like very, very small. Uh, I got it from the MTV internship thing that I did. And again, like I just put everything on it. I put in every MP3 that like I owned and I would just go over to friends houses and like plug it into their computers and we would listen to music off of my, off of my flash drive. Um, and like, I look back on those days, like very fondly. Uh, and, and have been looking back on them since I've been like prepping this topic. But when I think about it, like it really re actually represents a fairly like narrow window of my life because yeah. that technology sort of became a thing and then followed. Do you know what Moore's law is? No, it's this technological concept. Uh, and I forget who like the author of it was, but it basically states that the number of microchips like on a, a processor or whatever doubles every two years or something like that. It's like a way of sort of exponentially tracking the increasing capability of computer technology. And that is absolutely for sure true of, uh, of, of, you know, personal data storage. Uh, now, like it's to the point where it's exponentially growing to like degrees that I can't even envision, like talking about like cloud computing. And I don't know what a zettabyte is Whoa. and I'm too old to like learn. Um, <laughs> But I just really like the idea of having a virtual footprint of some sort. Uh, and I've talked a lot about like the importance of having personal ownership over spaces when you're growing up and like how uh, formative that was for, for me and how yeah. like I prioritize that. And like having this little floppy drive with some of my favorite, you know, Nintendo games or, you know, music or my journal or whatever was just like so intoxicating and i don't know i'll ever feel that way about like a piece of technology again but i i i treasure those those uh beloved floppy disk memories yeah what do you do now like because for me i have a disk of all of my creative writing from college and i have no idea how to ever access it again i think i have some i think i have like do an they optical drive like, okay. that i can plug into yeah yeah it's weird it is it's very strange I wonder how far removed I, I, I am not one to like reflect on like Gen Z versus like millennial shit. But like this is the kind of stuff that because it was such a like quick progression from I am writing these floppy disks to I have this hard drive that I can store a billion gigabytes of shit uh -huh. onto like it. That's probably just a thing that people completely missed. Like the idea of CDs, not the, the, the idea of CDs being important to your to your life uh is one thing the idea of like not even being able to create cds like not having the power to create them is like yeah. also kind of wild the links that you had to go through to burn a cd uh like that that's the kind of stuff that i think about when i think about the sort of the generational gap yeah Hey, Griffin, before we go on with the show, can I tell you a little bit more about the Max Fun Drive? I mean, I know because oh. like I have a sheet of like information here right in front of me. And also it's like my 10th Max Fun Drive. But if you want to tell the audience about it. Can I tell you, our listener, you right now? Oh, listening? you want me to step into the shoes of our listener? No, I'm talking directly to the listener right now. I, Actually, I, if you could leave the room. Okay. So I could just talk to the listener right now. <laughs> I'm eating lunch. 
<laughs> Did you like that? Hey, listener. Oh, okay. Griffin's gone now. It's just you and me. Let's talk about the Max Fun Drive. Is that weird? <laughs> <laughs> yes. The face Rachel was making during that was hugely upsetting. Um, Max Fun Drive is something we do every year. Obviously, this year is a little different than previous years. Uh, we know a lot of people are not in a financial position to be Max Fund members, uh, and we completely understand that. Uh, MaximumFund.org slash join shows you the different ways you can give. Uh, and most people choose 5 or $10 a month, uh, and that is more than enough for us. And we would love to tell you a little bit about the gifts that you can get if you are able to join at that level. Five bucks a month gets you. Oh, Griffin's back, by the way. Hello. I jumped in through the floor. <laughs> Smash. Um, five bucks a month gets you a bonus content, not just from our show, but from all the shows, and not just from this year, but for all years. It has been four months since we put up the original bonus content for this show, and I forget what it was. Animal what, oh, Crossing. Animal, oh, my God. What a fucking trip. It was Rachel's first exposure to Animal no. Crossing New Leaf uh, before the new Switch game came out. What a weird... You've played that game, like, every day, or the, the, the new version. Switch version. Uh-huh. Like every, It's so wild to think of how recently you had no exposure to that world. I know. Uh, that's fun. We're, we're looking at other stuff we can uh, put up also yeah. as bonus content yeah. uh, for this show and all the others. But it's, it is a while. It's over 200 hours of bonus episodes for all the shows that is only available to MaxFun members. That's just at five bucks a month. Uh, 10 bucks a month, you get the uh, bonus content. You get a uh, an exclusive pin uh, for the show of your choice designed by Megan Lincott. Uh, they've been uh, doing this for a long time now and the pins are absolutely gorgeous and you also get a max fund membership card and also all the boco there's a like a game pack at twenty dollars a month and a, a rocket mug uh at 35 that's that's really cool really like uh it's it is a strange strange time to be doing this and we are fully cognizant of that uh and we do not want you to uh like give money to our show if you are not in a position to do that that is obviously not something that we would ever ask but uh if you do want to uh you know invest in this in this show and the max fund community as a whole um it means the world to us and you can do it at maximumfund.org slash join uh what is your first thing my first thing is the classroom pet Oh, this is great. Yeah. Never had one. Really? I, never. You, are you 100% on that? 100% sure. Maybe like some goldfish in like some class, but like uh, uh, that doesn't feel very, that does not feel especially exotic. But no, I never, never had a class I don't think, uh, no, I'm not 100% on this. I don't think I had one until sixth grade. Okay. And which was kind of inexplicable, right? Because like middle school is is the time when you start to get too cool for everything. Right. For some reason, that was the year that my class had a hamster. And that hamster was named Patches. He was a very uh, roly-poly guy. Uh, and I remember, like, I remember him in the room. I remember, like, passing him around, sitting in a circle, everybody holding him. In sixth grade? Yeah, Was I this, know. like, your homeroom? Or... Yeah, it was my homeroom. Oh, okay, I was going to say. Yeah, and I remember, like, years later going back to visit my sixth grade teacher and him, like, sadly telling me, like, you know, Patches passed away. Oh. Um, but my mom always had a classroom pet. Always. Because my mom taught kindergarten, and it was almost always guinea pigs. Um, but I think she also like, she did chickens, 
Like that, that was a thing. In her classroom? Yeah. You what get, the fuck? There was a teacher at her school that had like farm hookups. <laughs> had like a family member that had a farm. And so she would like approach my mom every year and be like, hey, you want some eggs this year? Okay. <laughs> and they would like hatch them. They'd get like the little hot lamp and the cardboard box and they'd like. They'd Incubate like, them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's weird that seems like a weird pet to keep indoors in a school it seems like a prank that you would pull well like they would rival school they would send the chicks off to the farm which is hopefully what actually was happening with these chicks once they hatched (laughs) um but it was i just pantomimed eating like your mom would be like okay these are all hatched up and then she would just eat the chick whole that's not what happened your mom would not do that uh no but but there was a series there was a series of guinea pigs. At one point, I had a guinea pig in college that was, I believe, your own personal guinea pig. Yeah, it was junior year of college, and I went and got uh, a guinea pig that I then passed on to my mom. That my mom, if I remember correctly, studded out to another guinea pig. <laughs> Stop! What? <laughs> the big thing was that they would try and have like get guinea pigs pregnant, so they would have babies. What during the school year? And that was like their class experiment <laughs> was was breeding these guinea pigs and making them get horny and have sex. Guinea Rachel? pigs. So guinea pigs are like social animals. Like anyone that that has spent a lot of time with guinea pigs know that they actually like prefer the company Love of another guinea to get pig. Down these nasty little <laughs> pigs. Um, and yeah, and then they would, the guinea pig babies are the cutest thing. Oh, sure. I love a guinea pig. Especially if they have the spiky hair and it sticks out in all the directions. Just these little tubes of meat. Um, but so the, the reason that a lot of teachers don't do classroom pets is obviously this is another like out of pocket expense for the teacher, right? Like they're Oh, do they have a lot of those? Yeah. (laughs) I'm kidding. Of course they do. Um... They uh, they have to not only like pay for all of the supplies in the animal itself, but then they have to like take care of it. Sure, um, maybe the most arguably the most high stakes yes. pet to keep alive. Yes, um, and uh, it has a big impact actually on classrooms. So there was a study when I was researching this. There was a study during the 2016-2017 school year. Uh, American Humane, in partnership with Human Animal Bond Research Institute and the Pet Care Trust, did a study of classroom animals for third and fourth grade students across the United States. Uh, and it was it showed a significant impact on the social, behavioral, and academic development of the students hmm. by having that classroom pets. Uh, they did a study where 20 classrooms had a pet and 21 did not. And then the teacher would complete a survey. And these pets could be like guinea pigs, reptiles, whatever. Well, it sounds like the kids were the guinea pigs in this experiment that was being run. That's pretty good. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, and so every subscale of social skills measurable, which was like communication, cooperation, responsibility, empathy, engagement, uh, they showed increases in all of those areas and a, uh, decrease in hyperactivity and withdrawal in their students as a result of the pet. Did they discover that there was a cap on that where there's now there's too many animals in the room? (laughs) Was there a classroom with 20 kids where they're like, well, if one guinea pig is good, 70 (laughs) guinea pigs is even better. Oh, shit. Nope. This is way. This now has a detriment on their social skills because they're knee deep in guineas. 
Um, we saw this in our uh, back when Henry was attending his daycare. They had a classroom pet in each room, yeah. and it was like a big draw. They had a few. It certainly made there was a long stretch there where Henry's drop off, uh, by which I mean my drop off experience was very bad. But then they got this snake. And he was yeah. very interested in this snake. And it was like... It was a way to like get him in the classroom in the morning. And he felt more comfortable. Like being like yeah. he, he the transition was much easier because here's a like an animal that he thinks is cool. Yeah. It, it's also it gives the teacher an opportunity to kind of like, as I mentioned, like teach about the life cycle and teach about habitats. And, yeah. You know, all the different, um, you know, science related facts when yeah. you have a pet. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's really cool. I understand why a lot of people do it. I honestly, if I were teaching, I don't know that I would want to because there's always the issue of the summer, you know, where like, yeah, what do you do with then, this pet? And yeah. how do you keep them alive by themselves you have to bring for three home. months? Oh, you take them home? Yeah. <laughs> you just like leave a lot of food with a, a huge note. water bottle and a giant cube of food with a spreadsheet that's like, okay, take two bites on Thursday. <laughs> Thursdays are your your double bites days. No, don't do that. That's obviously quite bad. Uh, and I think it's, you know, I mean, you see uh, a lot of kids that may be really shy or, as, as mentioned in the study, really kind of have difficulty focusing. And this is like a, a cuddly way to kind of keep their attention and keep them engaged. Yeah. And also, if you get a lizard, then they eat grasshoppers. And yeah. As a as a, a, a young child, I imagine that is. Uh, I remember going to like a feed store with my mom to get crickets for her classroom pet. Crickets, probably not grasshoppers. Grasshoppers are big. I yeah. don't think I know what the difference is between these two animals. Ooh. Grasshoppers, crickets, and locusts in my mind are like kind of the same All right. creature. Is that bad? <laughs> See, if you had had a classroom pet. Uh, 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 yeah, maybe. You would probably know the difference. Yeah. And they're sort of like taste profiles, I imagine. Um, have you ever had a, a cricket before? Have I ever had, like, eaten a cricket? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, me too. I was lying. <laughs> That's cr- No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, yeah, I think I've eaten a cricket. I feel like they're at the Cincinnati Zoo. You could, like, get, like, uh, bugs. As I recall, they eat. tasted kind of like sunflower seeds. No, yeah. It's it good. I'm not here to bug shame. Great, <laughs> great source of protein. It's delicious. Uh, can I steal you away? Please. Here we go. Griffin? Yeah. You know what's a shame? What? Is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? (laughs) It's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. (laughs) Factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, There's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? (laughs) Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters. With I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. 
So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think that I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghostwriter, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia <laughs> Styles episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can, you can sell uh, your time, yeah, you can do that also. Anything is possible. That's um, th- for the commercial, the Super Bowl commercial they had. That was my voice yelling, "Anything is possible!" In the wow, background. yeah, not a lot of people know that. Hey, head to squarespace.com/slash/wonderfulpod for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use offer code WONDERFULPOD to save ten percent off your first purchase of a website or domain. Got a couple Grumpotrons. Can I read them or one of them? And you can read the second one and we'll share them. I love it. This one's for Cecil and it is from Billy who says, Hey Cecil, you are my tall wonder every day. Ooh, let's explore that. We should talk about that. Uh, We are currently separated by quarantine, uh, a real modern day Romeo and Juliet. Can't wait for the plague to be over so I can lovingly hit you with pillows. Monterey. A tall wonder. Yeah, let's go back and forth on some tall wonders. I'll start. Basketball players, go. Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, wow. That was even better. Uh, uh, That's that's all I got. You (laughs) lose. That's the only tall thing you could think of. Basketball players. Not like Mount Everest. (laughs) For some reason, tall made me think it had to be people. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, Do you want to read this other one? Yes. This message is for Tommy. It is from Mel. Hi, Tommy. I did a thing. I wanted you to know how special I think you are and what better way than via my favorite podcast. I'm sorry you have to work nights right now, but at least you get to be on cool planes. I can't wait to marry you next May, you big goofball. Here's to a life of love and many cats. Hopefully cool and not entirely filled up planes. Although I'm wondering what a cool plane is. Mm. I think like cool ass like um, like lights like cool lights like it has cool lights on it or maybe yeah. maybe it's just like a biplane like old old ass vintage mm-hmm. plane but it has flames on the sides of it maybe the seats feel cool when you sit in them and it has nos and you can turn on the <laughs> nos and your like little Wright brothers biplane like starts blasting there's one seat in the plane that controls the nos and if you get that seat you get to make you the get decision. to make that. That would be fun. <laughs> they should really democratize the process of flying the airplane. Fourteen C. Fourteen C gets one. Twenty one B can like turn the lights on and off. Like that's funny. <laughs> uh, I think like three A can like do the announcements. Like they have to. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like that. Let's just open it up. It's like a co op. And give our flight attendants a break. Like just let them sit there and watch and just like shake their heads. Like no, that's not. <laughs> 
That's not how to do it. Oh, God. I started listening to Ono, Ross, and Carrie shortly after I broke my arm, and the doctor had told me I'd never walk again. I couldn't get my book started. I was lost, honestly. I knew it was time to make a change. There's something about Oh No, Ross and Carrie that you just can't get anywhere else. They're thought leaders, discoverers, founders. I'd call them heroes. Ross and Carrie don't just report on fringe science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal. They take part themselves. They show up so you don't have to. But you might find that you want to. My arm is better. I can walk again. I wrote an entire book this weekend. It's terrible, but I did it. Just go to MaximumFun.org. Thank, Thank you, Ross, Ross and Carrie. Ona Ross and Carrie is just a podcast. It doesn't do anything. It's just sounds you listen to in your ears. All these people are made up. Goodbye. Hey, can I tell you about my second thing? Yes. Uh, it's a band. A band that uh, you and I have enjoyed for a while. Uh, and... I don't know, I've kind of like fallen off because they haven't released anything in a, in a long time. And as is usually the case when I talk about a band or artist on this show, I've been listening to them a lot uh, since I decided to talk about them. And holy shit, I've been really enjoying my my dive back into their body of work. It's TV on the radio. Oh. Uh, I, I'm all about like bringing artists and bands to this show that like don't sound like anything else like yeah. you know, other other artists and there, there's something just like super like attractive to me about that that like makes me want to listen to that band uh especially when that like novel sound really rips ass uh like tv on the radio does uh tv on the radio is a rock uh, band that just draws on so many different like disparate sound inspirations um i have uh, a list of cited like inspirations that they've talked about that I pulled off Wikipedia. Uh, Bad Brains, Earth, Wind, and Fire, Nancy Sinatra, uh, Serge Gainsbourg, Brian Eno, and the Pixies. It's like a peanut butter and pizza sandwich, but like <laughs> it tastes incredibly, incredibly good. Uh, and it just like all comes together to create just a whole uh, just musical canon that is just kind of unforgettable. Um, it's also one of those bands whose body work like feels recent. But then when I was looking at the release dates of these albums that like I love, I was like, oops, I'm old. Uh, specifically like Dear Science, which was such like a, a an important album to me. I love it's that album. 12 years old. Woo, I'm a ghost. <laughs> I'm a skeleton and a ghost. Uh, also, uh, we got to see them for free at ACL because ACL hands out uh, free tickets to their tapings. And it was yeah. one of the best concerts I've ever been to in my entire life. Yeah, it was very good. Uh, so TV on the radio got started in New York City in 2001 uh, with two members, uh, Tunde Adebimpe, who was the vocalist, and uh, David Sitek, who uh, was like guitarist, keyboardist. Uh, and they, they've expanded to like be a, a, a four-piece group. Uh, and they have released five studio albums, the most recent of which uh, is called Seeds, which is really good, came out in 2014. So that was six years Whoa. ago. Um, they like, uh, you know, went on, sort of on again, off again in the early years and made like a big deal of going on this like one year hiatus. And now it's been like kind of six years. And I think they've done a little bit of touring since then. But uh, uh, I very much miss them, especially after listening to and falling back in love with them. Uh, and if you don't know TV on the radio, I would almost guarantee you have heard this first song I'm going to play. It is by far their like breakout hit uh, called Wolf Like Me. Just 
shit, what a bop Wolf Like Me is. Uh, it is, like, I get why it is just their their biggest hit, because it just, like, goes so hard, and I get so pumped when I listen to it that I want to just, like, kick, kick a hole in the wall yes. or several holes. It's one of those bands where you hear a song and you think, I would love to see that live, and it does not disappoint. It does not disappoint at all. It's got this just constant kind of like ballroom blitz percussion energy to it that like just builds with these endless screeching guitar riffs. Uh, I am kind of wild about it. Um, it's maybe not the best sort of expression of their their range of their like different genres that they tackle and like the big sort of rich sound that I'll sort of demo here in a second. Um, I think that that sound, that like strange novel sound uh, is, is at its best in Dear Science, which was their 2008 album, uh, which is so critically acclaimed. Um, I forgot just how sort of like widely beloved it was. Uh, it was named best album of 2008 by Rolling Stone, uh, The Guardian, Spin Magazine, The AV Club, MTV, Entertainment Weekly, uh, The Pitchfork Media's uh, Reader's Poll, uh, and and a couple others. It was named second best album of 2008 by uh, NME and the fourth uh, best album of 2008 by Planet Sound. Really a good album. Uh, yeah. If you've never listened to TV on the radio, just start listening to uh, this one. Not the there's like a bonus expanded edition with like 20 tracks of weird sounds at the end. <laughs> you don't necessarily have to listen to those, but like I'd forgotten how good it is. Uh, yeah. Halfway Halfway Home is the opening track, which like is probably my favorite song off it. But what I really want to play is like the song that I feel like I am made happiest by by them, uh, and it's called Golden Age. Uh, I'm gonna yeah. play it right now. It's just so fucking like funky. Like it, it rules. Like it rocks, and I love like a good brass section in yeah, a song. Me too. But that like that funk energy is like so heavy here in a way that like I listen to this song and I have to listen to it like all over again. Uh, I am like wild about Golden Age. It's such a good song. Um, yeah, it's it, it. I feel like there are a lot of artists that I was getting into around this time. This was when I was, uh, Dear Science was when I was a junior in college. Like I was just about to graduate. Yeah. And like, I feel like I had a musical explosion <laughs> as everyone does in uh -huh. college. And there's yeah. a lot of that music that like I still really like and I will go back to from time to time. I have albums from that era that like I really, really love and like a lot of indie rock stuff that like I return to. I feel like TV on the radio is the one that has aged the best because I genuinely think it's like some of the best music ever made. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of fired up right now because I know I'm going to be like, hot on them again for a while yeah. and that makes me it's like when you like rediscover like an old tv show that you love and you're like oh i'm gonna watch this whole thing like i'm i'm at that level right now with tv on the radio and uh they've also provided some of the best life i've seen them in festivals too a couple times like they're, they're just so fucking good yeah. they're a really good ass band i don't really have much and else it's like to say. there's this like metric right of like would I play it at a party? Yes. yes. Would I play it while I was driving a car? Yes. yes. Like, would I play it if I were going on a run? Yes. Would like I play it on a bus? Yes. <laughs> would I play it when I cuss? I forget how that book goes. I don't think it's on a bus when you cuss. No, it's, but it should be. But it should be. There should be more profanity in Dr. Seuss books. <laughs> you know? Um, hey, what's your second thing? My second thing. Now, this is kind of like a fun journey that I went on. 
Uh, do you want me to explain how I got to this thing? Always. I want to, I always want to hear about a good journey. So a lot of times I start with the Muppets, right? Like yeah. I start with the Muppets because I think there's a lot I like about the Muppets. Maybe I should do another Muppet topic. So I started reading a little bit about Labyrinth, which is a superior Muppet movie. Yes. Uh, and it led me to something that I only found out about a few years ago. Uh, in 2015, our friend Steffi wrote an article about the unclaimed baggage center. Oh, how did... <laughs> how on earth did you get there from Labyrinth? So the unclaimed baggage center uh, is a result of the like 0.5% of bags that uh, are on planes and never find their way back to their owners. It's right. a very small percentage. Um, Which is a, a bad thing. It's not good when you no. lose luggage. No. The Unclaimed Baggage Center, which is located in Scottsboro, Alabama, uh, makes it a big point on their website to say, like, after a three-month search for the owner, that is when an unclaimed bag is deemed truly orphaned, at which point the center will... Orphaned? Orphaned. Is that their word? That's their word. Like your like your Samsonite bag is fucking Batman? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is serious serious business here. I guess so. Um they it ends up in the unclaimed baggage center which now has relationships with all domestic airlines. Uh and it is a 50,000 square foot facility. Uh and they they sell the items and they they make the point to say that for every item that is sold another item is donated. Okay. So so it's not like they I mean it is it is a retail business. They are making a profit, but for every item that is sold, they donate an additional item to someone in need. So they they make it a point to kind of 50% balance their profit with donations. I guess the thing I'm struggling with is that it's not their I feel like it's not their stuff. True, but the airline has taken every measure possible to to reunite it with its owner and it's only 0.5% that doesn't 0.5% is quite a lot. I feel like 0.5% you're saying if I ride on a plane and I check my bag, there's a 0.5% chance that my bag will be sold at auction by, by if it does, if it doesn't get to me. I mean, that seems quite high. That means if I fly 200 times, one of those times my bags could end up in being ethered away. Well, no, I'm saying that after the bag goes missing, there's a 99.5% chance oh, okay, that okay. it will be reunited with its I got its you owner. now. Okay. Okay. That's much, that makes me feel much better. I've probably flown close to 200 times, so that was a scary statistic for me. I know, I understand. Uh, so the reason that I got there via Labyrinth is that uh, one of the items that was found in an unclaimed bag was a four-foot-tall hoggle. From what? Labyrinth. What the? F why? Yeah. Who was flying with that? <laughs> like an authentic movie prop? Like a real ass hoggle? It, it wound up at the Unclaimed Badge Center in 1997. That must have been quite a scare. So this is well after the movie was yes. created. So somebody must have just been traveling. Doing a little hoggle. With hoggle. Just doing a little hoggle smuggle. <laughs> Can you imagine being working at that facility and being like, let's open up the, let's see what electric toothbrushes I have to, and then there's a four foot hoggle, just right. like it's big dead eyes just kind of staring at you as you open up the bag. Can you explain what a hoggle is? Um, 
I mean, it's it's a puppet goblin from Labyrinth. Uh, it's one of the main characters. It's in almost every scene with Jennifer Connelly. Yeah. Uh, and he kind of serves as her guide through the Labyrinth. Okay. That's still not something you want to open up and see <laughs> no. inside of a bag. No, he's got a very scary face. Yeah, it's not great. Uh, other things that have been found are a human-sized paper mache Tinkerbell. Was it empty? <laughs> Were you afraid there was a human in it? I don't know, man. I've seen House of Wax. I know how people do it sometimes. Uh, they found a 43-carat raw emerald appraised at $32,000. This is ours now! <laughs> And a live snake in a duffel bag. That's, that, holy shit. Yeah, I mean, snakes can live a long time without eating. I didn't think they could live that long, but And also, here we don't are. do that. Like, clearly don't do that. Yeah. Clearly don't fly like that. Yeah. Uh, the emerald is sus to me because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, this one got lost. Of all the ones, <laughs> it could have been a bag that had like an electric toothbrush in it, but instead it's the fucking heart of the ocean. Oops. Guess we lost it. Anyway, money, please. Um, the reason I like this, I mean, by nature, I feel like I'm kind of a snoop, you know? Okay. It's like the same reason people like going to, you know, yard sales or garage sales sometimes. You just kind of want to see what people's stuff is. Yeah. I mean, it's why people watch Storage Wars, right? But like, Yeah, exactly. Storage Wars is a bummer in a way because it's like a lot of the times it's like, oh, those people couldn't afford to get their stuff back and so you just yeah. lose it this is yeah, maybe this little... is maybe one more degree removed from that where it's like it was a whoopsie and now yeah, you've lost and your like possession. why was somebody traveling with this emerald you know oh so you're gonna put it on them for flying with the emerald. <laughs> why was this person flying i'm more curious about more than the snake more than the emerald more than the hoggle the human-sized paper mache tinkerbell yeah. What's a human-sized piece of luggage look like? I also read that they had they found a pair of McDonald's golden arches, which I can't exactly figure out. How do you pack that? Right? It must have been shipped and then just it never made its way to the the franchise. I don't know. It's fascinating to me. I get it. Like, it's not good that they lose and resell these things, but it is fascinating to have what is essentially a drain at the bottom of the entire sort of uh, plane transit system that uh, things run down into. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so here's, here's the thing that kind of appealed to me as a, as a, uh, voyeur, uh, every day at two 30, they pick a lucky guest to open a bag. What? So it says every day we invite one lucky visitor. This is off the website to sort the contents of a fresh bag. Join us in the center of the store at 2.30 PM and you may get the chance to experience the thrill of it for yourself. But it's not always a hoggle, huh? No, it's not always a hoggle. Probably a lot of times it's just like a pair of swim trunks That's and a, a towel. Weird, this, okay, I've actually turned against it now. That's <laughs> fucking weird. That's fucking weird and bad. How is it different than going to like a, a resale store? It, because a resale store, typically it's not that somebody took a big bag of clothes to the resale store and then lost it there. Yeah, that's fair. To have somebody <laughs> sort of like, like I get it. <clears throat> The curiosity of it, but like it made it, the, the the it got it just at the tail end, baby snatched defeat from the jaws of victory because it got gross again. <laughs> um, I, I get that it's a little suspect, right? Like this is obviously for a lot of people would not be like a pleasing, adventurous, 
you know, discovery, like me going to a TJ Maxx. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> like part of the reason I like going to those stores where you kind of never know what the merchandise is going to be and it's like cast oh, off. Oh, sure, sure. Is like the thrill of finding something that you're not expecting to find. Yeah. So for me, that's the way I'm approaching this. Right. But I see your perspective also that like this is this is something that was supposed to belong to somebody and now they don't get to have it because it's being right. sold at this. The Tommy Hilfiger boxes that have colognes and wallets and belts all in one boxes that they sell at every TJ Maxx <laughs> in the country. Tommy Hilfiger himself wasn't carrying a bunch of those boxes and then set them down somewhere and then turned to take a phone call and turn back and oops, I lost them uh they were they were purchased i imagine at a discount price maybe yes. in bulk from mr hilfiger himself yes. uh so the unclaimed baggage center is a is a family business it was started what <laughs> yes it was started by doyle owens in alabama he borrowed a pickup truck and three hundred dollars to drive up to washington dc and bought a load of unclaimed baggage from Trailways bus line, which he then sold on contents of car tables in an old rented house. This is how he started. And now three generations later, this is a 50,000 square foot retail store. This, this, this gets wilder and wilder. He just like piece by piece developed these relationships with airlines. Uh, and right. Now- I guess I, I wasn't thinking of it as a privately owned business. I was thinking of it as like a... I don't know. Like no. A, a, For whatever wow. reason, like nobody had really thought of doing this until this guy was like, hey, you know what? I bet some of this stuff never makes its way back. What do they do with it? Yeah, I guess they can't just sit on it forever and yeah. wait for people to come pick it up. That's yeah. still so wild. I know. I know. It's it's a complex, wonderful topic. I understand that. Um, it's one of the first wonderful topics that is not strictly wonderful, yeah. but it is incredibly interesting. It's I do of... remember our friend Steffi writing about it. Yeah, she actually went to write an article. Uh, I would really recommend you check it out. It, it's on Vox. Uh, it came out in 2015. Um, and it is called... This is a story about loss, uh, and I would really recommend y'all read it if you haven't. Um, but she they is, are, she is such a good writer. She's an incredible writer, uh, and it is their fiftieth anniversary this year. The Unclaimed Baggage Center. I thought you were talking about Chris and Steffi. No, <laughs> <laughs> Steffi is married to uh, my besties co-host and former Polygon writer uh, Chris Plant, yeah. and so I, I got I don't, my neurons. <laughs> they have got been ex- together a long time. Not not fi- not, f- not quite, quite fifty not years. Quite 50 no, it's years, the though. Unclaimed Baggage Center's fiftieth okay. anniversary. Uh, Hey, can I tell you what our friends at home are talking about? Yes. Uh, Danica says, the new Babysitter's Club show on Netflix is wonderful. I didn't grow up with the books, but the show is incredibly sweet and wholesome, very diverse with great topical messages and life lessons presented in a kid-friendly way. And I'm not ashamed to admit that I cried at at least one episode. You don't got to be ashamed of that ever. Let them rip. I have heard a lot of good things about this show. I also did not grow up with Babysitter's Club. Was this a was this for oh, you? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, it really appealed to like the entrepreneurial spirit of young girls. Uh and every every character in it had like their own little backstory and you became really invested in in their their outcomes. Sounds good. Let's yeah. do it. Uh here's one from Kennedy who says, "Hello, my wonderful thing is Kalachis." Uh and also Clob Clobusnicks? 
I, I don't know. I probably said that wrong. Uh, the meat-filled ones. So apparently kolaches oh. are just the fruit-filled uh, As a Czech American, I, uh, as well as being from Austin, I often take the kolache for granted, but I love these fruity pastries. I love having a way to connect to my roots as well as have a tasty snack that is just about everywhere in my city or my kitchen. There is like a short list of things uh, when I moved to Austin that I had no familiarity with, and sure. kolaches is definitely on there. They are everywhere. Also. Was not familiar they're, before I moved they're here. They're extremely good. We used to live around the corner from a kolache place, yeah, and that was a that was a very very nice thing to have accessible yeah. to us. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's not the healthiest food, so maybe we were. No, I mean it's one of those those items that you purchase for yourself, and then that's your day. That's your whole day. <laughs> It's the Kalachi. Hey, thank you so much for listening to our show. Thank you to Bowen and Augustus for the use for our theme song, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. One last time, uh, Max Fund Drive is running now. You can uh, uh, join at MaximumFund.org slash join. We know it's a weird time to be asking for money, but if you can, uh, we really, really appreciate your support. Um, and as, as with the other shows on the network, uh, by, by, if you become a member. Yeah. Part of the reason that we've stuck with maximum fun for so long is that all of our content is artist owned and they offer that to everybody on the network. And, um, it's a, it's a great benefit. It's a great network. Um, we encourage people to support it because they let you pick the shows that you want to support. Yeah. You know, and all of these artists, um, really appreciate your support. And also a lot of them live off of this support. Of course. Yeah. So, uh, anything that you're able to, to invest is appreciated. Yeah. And you'll get cool stuff. Um, so yeah, that's going to do it for us. We will be back next week and the next episode, (laughs) y'all no spoilers, but it's going to be a real barn burner. Explosions, suspense, chases. Super. Romance? Uh, romance. Uh, battle for the ages. Deceit. S- villainy. <laughs> Kissing? MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.